So that's the thing. You want to make sure that you have a lower club. I hope we're using the correct translation of the Bible. Well, then you're going to lead with the wrong joke right yeah, now. Yeah, it's just, wrong. We're talking about oh, golf. Here, wait. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. So glad that you're joining us. If you live in the area, check out the church. Again, we're off of Highway 316, hence the name Calvary 316. Our Sunday service is at 1030. You can learn all about the church by going to calvary316.com, .tv, .org, .net. We own all of the domains. Also go to Outlaw Church. You can find us there. Go to Church at the Dump. We have a lot of domains that point directly to our church. You can find us. If you are not local but looking for a good uh, Bible teaching church uh, that you can watch online, that's not a substitute for plugging into a local church. It's an important thing. But if you're wanting to supplement that with good Bible teaching, um, then check us out again, Sunday service, 1030. We live stream on facebook.com slash Calvary 316 or our YouTube channel, Calvary 316 live. Uh, I am joined as always in studio, uh, by the man that needs no introduction. Uh, Dick Dastardly, the maestro of this dysfunction, also known as Pope Creighton. How you doing, bud? I am doing well. Pope of the world. Well Pope of the world. Also, also That's new title, me. amateur golf pro. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That is awesome. Also, so explain explain your 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 new new fascination. So I've uh, known you, by the way, since you were very little, and at no point at all did I ever expect at any moment for you to get as geeked out about the game of golf as you've gotten over the last two weeks. You got to explain yeah, wh- why or how this has happened. So basically, uh, I I also didn't think that I would be into golf. Creighton Vaughn, the golfer in my life. Um, because golf is the second most boring sport to watch on TV of all time. The first being basketball. That being said, um, what happened was I have a lot of friends who like golf. That would be you, uh, Kyle, who's in the studio with us, Derek and Nick, who are in the studio with us. Um, and Derek, Nick, and Kyle all wanted to go to the range and invited me to come. So you I went to a like, driving range and and attempted to hit a few golf balls and got the bug. No. Well, it was so the way that it actually worked was I went and I sat on the grass for maybe 20 minutes probably watching them hit golf balls and Kyle was finally like come hit a golf ball. Right? Like just that's what Try we're doing. Try to hit a golf ball. Come do the thing that we came here to do. Stop sitting on the grass like a putz. Um pun intended. Um so <laughs> I hit a single golf ball out of one of their buckets of balls. And I put down the golf club and walked over and bought a bucket of balls. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how it went. Like it was literally like they, they, they teed it up for me. I hit it and I was like, all right, I'll be back. This is <laughs> Because awesome. that was way more fun than I was expecting. It was an and instant worked, dopamine hit for it you. It was an instant dopamine hit. And like the ball went where I was expecting. It was fantastic. Um, and now I spend my breaks at work putting in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) And it's worse than that. It's worse than that. So there was a garage sale in my neighborhood. So my neighborhood, uh, there's a golf course. So there's a lot of golfers in my neighborhood. And so this past weekend, uh, we were flying out to Kansas city at 10 o'clock. You guys show up at my house at nine 15. Why? Because you, you and Nick were perusing the neighborhood Trying to buy used golf clubs. Not trying. We did. Succeeding. You were successful <laughs> in buying now own like 10 golf clubs, uh, a good amount of tees, a good amount of balls, and a golf bag. 
<laughs> this is all. <laughs> and so we were yeah. talking. We were talking though about like what you really need as far as like getting started because you're going to go play Saturday, right? Uh, I am not. Oh, so uh, you're not going Saturday. The guys are. I have a prior commitment that is stopping me from going, which is a shame. Um, but they are going to play, uh, and I will be going the next time they go to play. So you're not quite at that point that golf has taken over your life, but you're really close. Really close. Really close. Well, good for you. That's exciting. We're also joined in studio uh, by a, a merry band of misfits. Uh, we'll work right to left. Uh, Mr. Nicholas Monty, how are you? Uh, good, other you're, than allergies. You're dealing with some allergies because you mowed your yard, right? I did, yep. Yeah, Mowing your yard stuffy. on Wednesday might not be the best idea for the allergies. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to rethink that. Rethink that. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. And then, man, rocking the 316 polo, Deal Daddy Derek. I have to. Speaking of golf. Official. Looking good. Yeah. yeah, we have golf shirt. I didn't even think of that. Oh, we have Calvary 316 golf shirt. There you, go. you have yeah. a golf shirt. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're good to go. So <laughs> glad you're with us. Uh, Derek, also joining this mis- dysfunction is uh, a Spice Daddy. Howdy. And uh, Kyle Parkin, glad to see you with us. Howdy. You're kind of hit or miss. <laughs> you, you jump in, you jump out. I like to keep everybody guessing. Keep everybody guessing. Well, we appreciate that for sure. Supply and demand issue. And you've also gotten a little bit of the golf bug. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had it for a while. I, I've been going with our, our buddy Neil, who's going with us Saturday, on and off for you know a few years. But yeah, going out with the, the rest of the crew this weekend. Listen, I'm very excited about this development because... For years, I've been playing golf by myself, and so I'm, I'm excited to... I've been going and playing golf by myself with people that are better than me. Um, I'm excited to have you guys, because maybe I'll be better than we'll someone. You used play to be better you. than us. We might be catching up. I know. Up. You might be catching up. Although, to be, to be fair, uh, I've been playing quite a bit of golf recently as part of therapy. And speaking of therapy, just to kind of update the audience, I don't know if you guys saw the message. I think I sent it to you guys. But So yesterday was kind of a... Uh, you know when, when, uh, when, when people that have been going through cancer treatment, you know, are finally able to leave the clinic and they're like they're cancer free. And you've seen the videos where they'll go and they get to ring the bell and it's like a big milestone. People are clapping and it, it's it's like a significant moment. Like, hey, I've overcome something. Uh, I'm cancer free. I've gone through this big trial. Well, when I left the hospital, I didn't exactly get that particular treatment because, man, my, my journey was still very... I wasn't free of much. Um, I had a lot ahead of me. You were um, not that, able to reach up and ring the bell. And I couldn't I couldn't ring a bell. Thanks for pointing that out, Craig. Yeah, bud. Here for Appreciate you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I love you. They would have had me ring a bell if I could use my arms. <laughs> um, but uh, but there, I, I, was, I was rolled out of the room, and there was a whole bunch of nursing staff that, you know, were cheering me on and... Uh, it was such a touching thing, and, and it's a milestone marker. But man, I left. You know, I left uh, the hospital, and and my, you know, my battle really began. Well, it, was, it, well, it didn't begin. It was like a whole new battle. You know, the, the, the getting out of the hospital was one thing, but now I had to get better. I had to to heal, and um, needless to say, and it's kind of crazy to think, uh, thirteen months of rehab, thirteen months of rehab, physical therapy. I did 31 appointments in home uh, to get me ready to leave. And then all in total, outpatient included, I've had, again, 13 months. Nick, you're, you're hearing the allergies. Bless this you. Is, this is what's going on. So 13 months of rehab, 116 uh, appointments. 
Jeez. And uh, yesterday uh, was my last appointment. I was discharged, and um, and it was it was emotional. Like I left, I I got done. Uh, Doug, who's my therapist, uh, and I've been there to hear him sing this stupid song multiple times. He's got this song that he'll sing. You know, goodbye, farewell. Uh, you're my friend. You know, he's it's the dumbest thing ever, and I've made fun of him on multiple occasions. But we were almost done with therapy. He goes, you know, I've got to sing this song. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I, I've, I've been preparing myself for this. And uh, we were both teary-eyed. And uh, I got done, got up, gave multiple hugs to multiple people, and, uh, and then kind of loitered at the front of the, the, the <laughs> rehab facility talking to folks before I just I left. I got to my truck, man, I cried. Like, I was, uh, I was pretty emotional because it was kind of the ring. I didn't ring a bell. Although I could have Creighton, um, but it was, it was one of those things where it's like, and you know, I, I, I sent a text to my family. I think I put, I posted this on social media that, you know, God, um, it's not just that God is faithful. It's that he's also good. God is good. He's as good in the storm as he is in the sunshine. And, um, you know, I, I've been through a storm, a long storm, a prolonged storm. And God has been good. He's not just been faithful. Not just faithful. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. He's been good. And, you know, for me, for for anybody that's going through things, um, God is good. Um, As good as he is in the good times, but he's as good even in the bad times. Um, If we can can adjust our perspective and keep it on him and realize he's in control and we're going through these things um, because he's ordained them. And... uh, and we have to kind of embrace that. So uh, if, I, if I could also, uh, this past weekend was kind of a milestone. Um, I was invited uh, to go speak at a, uh, a men's conference in Kansas City. It was kind of a Calvary Chapel Heartland uh, men's conference. And I've been invited uh, over the last few months. I've had a few opportunities to go outside of Calvary 316 uh, to, to, to speak, to teach God's word. And I've turned those opportunities down. Uh, mainly because I felt a, a loyalty, an obligation to Calvary 316. I did take five months off. I felt like I kind of, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of owed the church uh, my Sunday mornings. Uh, but also, I just there was, I just wasn't ready physically just to be able to go. And and even this past weekend, going to Kansas City was was one of those things where I I was nervous about it. Uh, just the stamina of teaching Friday night, teaching three times on Saturday, getting home, teaching at Calvary 316 on Sunday, you know, five times in a weekend, just. The physical endurance that that takes and the traveling and whatnot. Nick and Creighton went with me, uh, which was such an encouragement. Um, but man, God was good. Like I think what I had to say was very well received. Saturday morning, I actually shared my testimony, kind of made that a Bible study. Nick, wh- how did you think, you know, this the testimony? Because that was the first time I had done kind of that version of it, right? Yeah, I've never heard it as, you know, a Bible study, you know, it- in person before, but I, think, I mean, like the closest was maybe that first episode back with the outlaw radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you've never done anything like that at a personal church. Cause I think we've been so involved in the situation. You didn't really, have I didn't to, need to do that. You didn't have to do that. You guys lived it with me, right? Yeah. You know, but it went over very well. I mean, I know a bunch of people approached you and loved it, loved hearing it, blessed their life, hearing it. Also just hearing it, that way, to me, I don't know. It was new, refreshing. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but like you were, if I had died, you would have been one of the last people I had seen. 
Yeah. You know, because as, you know, one of my last memories was being carted out of my house <laughs> and uh, down the walkway to the driveway and you and Carrie coming up, coming up. through yeah. the through the grass, through the pine straw. And, um, you know, that was one of my, my so you, you were part of it from the beginning. And, and Creighton, you were there. I mean, how did, you know, how did it float? How did you feel about it all? I thought it went really well. It was, um, to reiterate what Nick was saying, it was one of the first times that I heard you tell the entire story from front to back. Yeah. Um, and it was very powerful for me. It brought up a lot of the, a lot of the memories that I had from that time. Um, and then I remember talking to Nick afterward. I was like, are you aware that that was like a year ago? <laughs> because yeah, gosh, true. dang, right, man. And it always amazes me when looking at a, you know, a storm that I was a part of from the outside, how much I forget about the bad. Like I, I remember all of the feelings when I thought you were dead. I remember all of the, the stuff we had to do and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I think that the storm from this side looks brighter than it did from that side, which might be a elaborate on that for a moment. Um, take a moment and try to unpack that. I'm interested. I just mean like when I look back, when I look back at like January, February, March of 2022, um, I know intellectually that I was in dire straits that my world was kind of ending because I thought you were dead. Um, and like, not in a, not in an ultimate spiritual way was my world ending, but in no, you a, just thought I was, I mean, and, and listen, to, I have be, to be fair, a lot of people thought you. I was going to pass away yes. because I followed the trajectory of most people with COVID pneumonia that's why, you know, I mean, even even in this conference, I had people coming up and saying, like, I'm just shocked you're here. Yes. Um, yeah. And I have, at this point, I've kind of bound my life to yours in that I've been in this Calvary 316 thing with you for 10 years now. And, and like, there was a whole lot of, what do I do if <laughs> Zach dies? Um, right. Because I don't, I don't know. Like, I've just been kind of, like, my life has been the church, and if you die given that you are the rudder for the church. Like, I don't know what I, like, I remember, I know all of that intellectually, but when I actually think back on January, February, March, like a lot of that, I actually think of like, Hey, I had a really good time with Kyle. Uh, like shortly after you went down trying to figure out your, the finances for the church. Like it was, it was hard. It was not a good time, but like Kyle, like we had, that was a good relationship building between me and Kyle. And like when I actually look back at that, I don't think about the, oh, everything is crumbling. I think back at the, I had a really good time with Kyle, even though we didn't do a great job and had to pass it off oh, to you did sister a sister because did, she's a you, finance person. You did a wonderful job. Like, but, don't, don't say yourself short. Right. Even like, but a lot of it is like helping Kyle get ready to, to, to teach, helping, you know, getting, figuring out who's doing worship. Like all of that was really hard and it was really and just the, like the quiet times were difficult hmm. when I was thinking about the fact that you were going to die and that I didn't know what I was going to do. It was all rough, man. But at the same time, when I actually look back on it, I don't think of the night that I was trying to sleep um, and Leslie came down and said, hey, the doctor just said this. Um, I think of the, the good times we had when we were commiserating. I think of all the I have a very like rose. I think the best term would be a, a rose colored look at that area of time. Um, and while I appreciate that, cause it makes it easier now, it was also good to hear you talk about it, 
especially in the fact that you are relating stuff that you weren't actually there for. Because I'm seeing it from Jessica's point of view. I'm seeing it from your dad's point of view. I'm seeing it from your mom's point of view. And it kind of paints a much broader, more vivid picture from where I could just see black in the time. And now I can almost just see the rosiness. Um, Hearing you talk about it gives it a lot more color in breadth. You know, I think you know what I mean? Does that all oh, make sense? Oh, for sure. No, yeah. I think you yeah. nailed. Okay. I think you nailed so, it. Real quick, I, I just want you know, Kyle, you <laughs> haven't been, you haven't actually. I don't think officially at any point. So, so you're one of the elders of the church, and again, you and Creighton, like day two or three of this, y'all came over, opened up the office, got my computer, stole like, all your stuff. We got to figure <laughs> out what in the world's going on. You know, we got to step up here, and then it was like maybe two or three weeks after that. Um, I know Andy taught. Be via, via video maybe two weeks oh, yeah. and then uh, Mike Bauer taught a Sunday maybe Chad taught a Sunday um, but then you were the one I think initiated a conversation of like hey we don't know how long this is going and our church needs to be normal and so we need to do what we do and that's teach through books of the Bible we're obviously not teaching through Matthew at the moment <laughs> and so you were the one that kind of like hey I'll start a series like can you tell your your end of the story I know this is not planned this was not We'll get to the topic, but mm-hmm. this has kind of been initiated. And I, I haven't heard your perspective, your recounting of how all this worked for yourself and, and, and what you went through with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of set up the, the first couple of weeks. It was definitely a, you know, we we shut down a little bit just to figure things out. Andy taught via video for two weeks, and then Chad taught one week. And um, even even with those first couple of weeks, uh, I immediately um, – was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll fill in for a little bit. We don't know what this is going to be. I'm going to pick a book. And so, um, I took a week and, um, decided to teach through Ephesians. And I told everybody at that point that, um, you know, I, I'm thinking it's five chapters. I'll get, I got five weeks. I'll cover five weeks and then that'll give us some time to kind of figure things out and go from there. Um, that turned into, I, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks or something like that, just because of the way that the way that things played out. And um, well, as any ex- expositional Bible teacher, you yeah. plan for five weeks, and <laughs> yeah. it goes longer than that. Yeah, and it actually—I mean—that's something that I didn't really have thought about, but not really dug into mentally. Um, on that is, you know, that was that was God in a way, because by the time I was wrapping up Ephesians, was immediately when you know you were you were ready to get back into it. Um, almost, you know, maybe off by a couple weeks of just getting getting your stamina back and whatnot. In fact, if I can interject, like it was, we had Easter, Mm -hmm. which I had been very determined that I wanted to do Easter, you know? And then, uh, but I wasn't ready to be back. Yeah. I just wanted to do Easter, you know? So we did the chair, you know, Nick helped me up on stage, helped me get to the chair. You went the day before, took the chair up there. We went up there together and, uh, that's what, and everything. Well, yeah. (laughs) And that's when, that's when, uh, I'll never forget. Um, it was the first time I had gotten in my truck and I don't know how many times I've ever ridden in the passenger seat <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we go to get in my truck and I totally ate it. Oh yeah. Oh, no. you did. I, I went head first, first boom, first. right into the, right into the, and Nick's like, Oh no. <laughs> he grabbed me and helped me in. I was like, I think I can get out of the truck a lot easier than it was getting into it. Um, but I mean, I like that's that, that Easter Sunday, I was very determined and, and, you know, the elders were like, if Jessica signs off, it's okay. Um, and Jess was like, you're not standing. Cause I wanted to stand. She was yeah. like, you're not going to do that. Uh, but you can sit. 
And um, but but I wasn't ready to be back. But what was cool is so then we had um, David Guzik yep. was coming in the week after that. The next week, yeah. The next week, which was such a blessing, and we were so honored that that he he reached out to us. And not me. He reached out to you guys. Yeah, he was reached like, out hey. to Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Like, hey, I hear what's going on. If there's anything I can do. Um, and so he came in that week. And then and then it was like, I remember talking to you. It was like, well, Kyle, what do you need to finish Ephesians? And you're like, I think I can do this in two more Sundays. Yep, two more. And so that gave me three more weeks um, with the two that you did with Ephesians before I was physically ready. So it was like middle of May. Mm-hmm. Crazy to think. This time last year, I was still not teaching full-time yet. Yeah. Jeez. yeah. But, the, the, but the timing time. was great. Yeah, you're right. And the whole experience, I think I've said it before on here, the experience for me was really weird because, you know, not to say that I didn't, you know, think about what was going on and, like, um, you know, be affected by the emotions of, you know, somebody that has been a, a, a leader in my life for a long time going down like, like Zach did. But the, it was actually kind of good for me to just jump straight into, okay, well, I've got to do this. Like I've got every single week I'm, I'm working a full-time job, but I've also got to figure out, you know, preparing Bible study and teaching every Sunday. And and for me, it was almost like, um, I had a very defined job during the time and a very defined role. And so it was almost that in and of itself almost was like made it not so hard on me, if that makes sense. During that you had time. purpose in it, yeah, yeah, no, and it was very clear I was supposed to be there. I mean, I, my gosh, like that was the the most I've ever like learned in such a compact time, you know, about God and during that time because you have to learn it. You can't teach it if you don't learn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was that, and it was I was working. You know, I was doing work. I was staying busy with it, and it, you know, it was it was odd. It was odd for it to be something so drastic. Um, an impactful on my life, but then not like freaking out about it at all because I was busy. I think what's also cool. And I've, I've talked to a few folks ab- about that time, uh, that the, a few folks not in this room and, uh, and, and almost overwhelmingly, um, the, the reaction was, you know, when Kyle first started Ephesians, you could tell like deer in headlights, like I'm doing my best, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and then like, there was this progression though, like every week. Uh, and again, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't there for it. So mm. I'm only regurgitating and, and reiterating what others have said that were there, but it was like every single week you got better and better and more comfortable and, and more in a rhythm. And, you know, and, in the last, you know, half of the book, I mean, you were, you, you had hit a stride and you were doing great. And, Absolutely. And, for, yeah. and for me, it's like, you know, again, I've known you for a long, long time. Yeah. And when I, you were um, a pimple faced, you know, 10th grader. And you were a <laughs> pimple faced 10th grader. He did have a good Jufro. Yeah, I did have a Jufro. Uh, in, my, in my living room and man group years and years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when we were talking about, you know, hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations, and this was before you you entered your wayward season. Yep. You know that that prodigal season. You know you always said you know I, I I feel like maybe there's a calling on my life to be a youth pastor, to be a pastor, to be a ministry, and um and then and then you know your your track kind of went off the rails for a few years, and then you know there's a whole story there that can be told later. But you came back and um, got plugged into Calvary 316. God did an amazing thing in your life, and 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 with M- Millie came into your life and. 
just been a beautiful thing. And then over time, you became an elder of our church. Uh, you went from an usher, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, to being an elder, and um, and then became our youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, you're still being an elder, but also teaching every week prepares you uh, again with youth um, that hey, there was a there was a need, and and you were able to jump into the fray. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I if I publicly said I I know I've said this at church, but just so proud of you. Like, you know, if if um, you know. If something had happened to me, I'd have held it down for a little bit longer. <laughs> you would have been fine. You would have, uh, whatever job you're doing, you would have let go of, and you yeah. would have pastored that church. Mm-hmm. As you're pastoring the church now, it just would have been, you would have been given more time, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a full time. You've kind of gave got a little bit of a glimpse, like, man, you can't do this. No, no, it's. A, I will say that one thing. Nobody really appreciates. Like there's, there's so much more than just getting up there and teaching on Sundays. Like there is a, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of, you know, time spent like, you know, deep struggling and and chewing on, on things in the word. But then that's only, I don't know if I had to guess on a number, 20 hours of the, of the week is, is the Bible study prep. There's so much more that goes on with leading a church. I mean, you've got people that are relying on you to like, be aware of what's going on in their life and being attentive to, to what's going on and, you know, building friendships like what we've got here and, and having these relationships. There's, there's so much more that goes into it. And I don't see how any pastor could really be putting the proper amount of effort into their flock, having to work a a full-time job at the same time. Like that, if, if you're going to be actually caring for your flock, it's got to be your, your full, full attention. My dad tells a story way back in the day at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain where he, he was bivocational. You know, he was, he was working a, a warehouse job at, at DuPont and was trying to pass through the church and, um, and was, at, was just at a, a juncture. He wasn't making enough money um, at DuPont. My mom was a, an RN. She was working crazy hours too, and they had a couple kids. And, and he was at this, this, this point where he was like, I've got to get a second job, you know, just to help supplement you know, my income, whether it's a pizza route or whatnot. And the elders heard about it and they were like, you know what? No, like we're going to do whatever is necessary for you to be able to pastor our church full time. And, um, you know, my dad, you know, recalls just how liberating and freeing that was. And, and you start off, you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with my whole week. And it's like very quickly, yeah. you're like, well, man, I don't have enough hours <laughs> to fulfill this. Yep. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, the poor you'll have with you always, you know, me for a limited, like ministry is bottomless. Um, it will take as much as you give it mm-hmm. um, as many hours. I, I will say just kind of pivoting with that. Um, if uh, again, if you if you attend a church, please understand uh, your pastor um like it's a good thing that you're supporting your pastor financially to enable them to do what God's called them to do for your church. Um, there's, a, there's an adage, and I, I don't mean to use this in a, in a cavalier way, a cavalier way uh, but you get what you pay for. And, and if you want a pastor that's engaged, that's invested, that's diligent with the word, that's taking care of, of what needs to be taken care of, it is a full-time job. Um, I don't care if the church is 30 people or 3,000 people. Like... Um, there's so much ministry that, that is necessary. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you can't be bivocational, but man, if there's any way for, for a church, for you um, to, to try to enable your pastor to be full-time, 
that is such a, a huge blessing to him and will reap benefits, I think, within the church itself. So I, I know that that wasn't necessarily part of the topic, and it wasn't Zach's rant. So let's just be real. Uh, so we're going to segue very quickly to Zach's rant. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> because I do have a, a little bit of a rant that I'd like to go on before we get to the topic. Little, we have time. We have time. For the record, little sure? rant is on. an oxymoron. Creighton, this Those is... two things don't match <laughs> together. Creighton, that this being is, said, I'm taking up more time, so go for it. This is, this is actually something... And I don't mean this as a joke, but as an encouragement. Oh, boy. This is, this is something I ran across this week that blew my mind. So I, I think one of the great, the great tragedies of, of, of our culture, I think it's something that Satan has slipped in there. Um, it's been an attack of the, em- the enemy. It's, it's a, and the church kind of completely seeded this. And I'm not sure how or, or why or where it happened, I haven't had enough time to really think back through this, but, but let's be, but let's be real. Like today, okay. The church might say that you need to abstain from sex before marriage, but do we really, do we really preach that or hold to that? Because by and large, um, the vast majority of people, even within the church singles are having sex before marriage. I mean, is that just maybe a false perception? You guys want to give me a little feedback of just, your friends, your own experiences. I mean, not being specific, but... So, not to be specific, but that's my big problem with the way that Christians treat uh, homosexuality. Is that, like, homosexuality and premarital sex are the same thing. Kind of. And, and they're the same thing. They're both One of them yeah. has an easier solution, but they're both sex outside of marriage with someone who is not your spouse. The fact that you're, the genders are different I think is not a hill to die on as opposed to the premarital, the outside of marriage sex is. I am, I agree with you 100%. And I'll go on my own rant if I'm not careful. Because I don't understand how we turn a blind eye to premarital sex all the time. And yet we have people protesting homosexuality. Both of them are very wrong. And one of them, we go out with pitchforks and torches. And the other one, we have pastors who do it. Once again, I'm not, I don't know anybody specifically. I'm just... Yeah, we could have a, a greater conversation. This could be a topic for another episode. Yeah, but I, I totally th- agree with you. Homosexuality. Uh, okay, so pr- premarital homosexuality sex and premarital heterosexual sex are both wrong in the sense that it's sex outside of marriage. Yes, I don't think that there's they're the same though. I do think in its most elementary statement, like because it's sex outside of marriage, they're the same in that context. But I do think, like, th- th- there's a, a, another layer of issue with same-sex attraction that also has to be unpacked versus heterosexual attraction, which, again, should not happen outside of marriage. I agree. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, and, and yeah. That's not a topic we, we can dive into. I just want to, for clarity purposes, because I, I know you and I are kind of on the same page with this. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, again, I think you're right. Like, again, there's, there's a bit of hypocrisy that the church rails about homosexuality or homosexual sex, like without even thinking like, okay, well, what if they're married? Then it's fine. Right. <laughs> because now it's within marriage without actually tackling the other issue. Right. Which illustrates my point that there's also a different layer of issue. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. If it's a man and a woman in marriage, we're good. If it's two dudes in marriage, it's still, it's still wrong. Right. And if it's a man and a woman outside of marriage, 
they can get married and we're golden. And, 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 and we're having a totally different conversation. But it is true, though, that it seems like the church is completely like, hey, this has become so normalized in culture that we're not even like talking about this anymore. You guys, uh, your thoughts, just cursory, because I'm going to read something that blew my mind. What are your thoughts about, about this particular topic? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's everywhere. Like, absolutely. Now, Kyle, <laughs> you deal, like, I haven't been in youth ministry in a decade. Mm. And, and and I'm old enough to, like, go through the um, Promise Keepers movement. Mm. Justin, you're old enough where there was, like, a real big celibacy movement within Christianity. Where we actually were kind of trying to, like, combat culture. And we got ridiculed, and we took the wrong approach. It was kind of an abject disaster. And which now is people why describe I, it as purity culture. Purity culture, which is why no one touches it with the 10-foot pole anymore. Yep. Uh, Joshua Harris, who's now no longer a Christian. Is that the ICUS dating goodbye ICUS guy? ICUS dating goodbye. Like, he, he, he that, that's a whole other topic. Which, I, I, we actually, years ago, did an ep- I did a whole episode of the Outlaw Radio Show on uh, I Kiss Jesus Goodbye, um, the Joshua Harris story. I remember uh, that. But anyway, you can go into the archive and find that if you like. But um, but the Promise Keepers movement, like, like we have tried to address this, but we've seen seemingly abandoned it. Justin, what, what are some of your thoughts, Spice Daddy? Well, I just realized I've probably read the article you're about to read, and I think I know what you're about to say. So I don't you and I, again, uh, more yeah. confirmation. I swear we have the same right. Twitter I, feed. It, I, I don't know for sure. I don't want to give it away. Um but it kind of goes back to, I'm assuming it has something to do with non-Christians coming to a conclusion that we've already come okay. to. Okay, let's move on away from Spice Daddy because we, we follow the same social media. This is actually a tweet. No, there was a tweet by an Anglican priest that I follow oh, Okay, that I like a lot. Um, I think he's British. Um, I'm not going to name him because I don't want to promote him because I'm not Anglican. Uh, but he like he made a few statements and then referenced the study that got released. Oh, okay. And it, and I went to the study and was like, oh my goodness. Oh, I think I read the study, not the the priest. Thing, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you're you're getting the cart before the horse. You two fellas, I mean, what are your thoughts about about this particular topic? Ever since I graduated high school, I mean, the water has definitely changed. Like that's, that's whatever there, whatever's saying. going in the water has absolutely changed since I was in school. Like. Yeah, there was always, like, one or two kids who, like, said they were gay or whatever. But now it's, like, a blatant, in-your-face, everyone's trying to be gay. And if you're not, it's a problem. Well, one step back, let's just talk about, like, premarital sex. Like, again, the homosexuality thing is a debate. But, like, we're not even debating that anymore. Yeah, no, that's just always been present. What are your thoughts, Nick? So my first thought was, so I don't want to go on a different way about it, but... But I am. (laughs) But we might... (laughs) Um, I think today's church might struggle with reaching teens and reaching them in a way that needs to be reached. Um, growing up, going into church, when I went to church, teens were, uh, us, when I was a teenager, were being taught, you know, by ourselves Sunday and Wednesday when we went to Wednesday church. And then also had something to do Thursday or something like right. a fellowship, you know, like, and now when I look back on it, like when I got in my college years and stuff and looking back on it, it got away from all that. And like, Hey, come to our night of worship on Thursday. And that's all they did. Interesting. Right. So, yeah. so that, so I, I don't know if this is true, but I, this is 
the way I'm feeling is like maybe the churches nowadays are they don't have the focus like they used to on the teens in church. Not even just talking to them about premarital sex, but just in their relationship with yeah. Christ. Like I don't see that same thing back right, when yeah. I was in church as a nowadays. Yeah, they don't make it as serious. The only message they ever did was like to where they pass around the rose and then it's beat up. By the time it gets to the very last person, that's the only thing that you ever heard was the same thing. At like I've been to multiple churches and heard the same thing. And it's like okay, they don't go in any depth and in the reality of the situation of what it actually does mean if you are being premaritally doing the or promiscuous. Know, the like Nick, yeah. you, you kind of, and again, I think I'm picking up on what you're what you're putting down in the sense that, um. Like telling telling teenagers don't have sex is not a good selling point. No, no, you know because it's I'll just do it like, even more. It's just it's, not to. It, it's just like the parent telling the kid not to do anything. That just makes them want to do. Yeah, it. Exactly. so instead of and instead, so of, instead advocating of doing truth, that, teach them the word and teach yeah, them to get right. closer to God, and that changes their attitude and their relationship. But I think that it changes. We, we start. I think we're focusing too much on just teenagers. Whereas, like, you got people our age that are cohabitating yeah. with with their other their significant other, for lack of a better term. And it's okay. It, it, the church doesn't address that. Culture's what, accepted it. Yeah, yeah. culture's accepted it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it goes further than just t- telling teenagers not to have sex out of marriage when you're ignoring the couple that's that that's there that that's cohabitating and they've not. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, you like when I mean? people just live together for years and they're like, oh, well, we've just done it, but right. we've just never and been I, married, but we've been living together. Let me tell you, I, I think I see more of that. And That's it, true. It, yeah. I think I see more of that than, than, than teenagers. Yeah. I think we get so focused on what the teens are doing, cause like the drug, sex, and alcohol kind of stuff, uh, and rock and roll, then, then you're not talking taking care of the, the, the people that are living down the street. That, <laughs> let me tell you, are, let me let me take that, like, let me trump that one one more. Uh, I had years ago, uh, there was a little old lady in our church that was kind of in a nursing nursing situation, nursing home f- facility. And, and dear, dear saint, um, uh, I got to be a little careful not yeah. to use a name um, or to give any more information, although none of you know her. I'll just say that. And, and nobody coming to Calvary 316 today probably knows her. Um, so I'm just, just kind of framing it that way. But the... Um, that was me telling Creighton, like, quit, quit moving around over there. Um, you only so, made it more awkward by doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's what I do. Anyway, so, so she reached out to me and said, hey, Pastor, I need some counseling. I said, oh, this will be fun. This will be great. And so I was like, hey, let's meet at the church. Uh, my wife was going to be up there. Uh, let's meet at the church. Safe place. Uh, would love to hear what's going on. So we met. We sat down. And, and the story I heard, like, just blew my mind. Like, Jessica afterwards was like, I know you can't divulge any specifics, but, but I, I laughed. I said, I felt like I was counseling a 12 year old, like with her love life, because it was like nursing home relationships and getting nookie from one, but he's getting nookie from another. And it's like, how do I, should I feel about that? And like, my whole deal was like, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 You're wait, not wait. married. You do, you do know the statistics. Oh, this is crazy. STDs in nursing homes. But my point is like, you bring up like, okay, we're talking about like, like teenagers, like how we address the youth and you bring it to like, well, what about like single adults? Like yeah. in their twenties and thirties are living together. What about single <laughs> can, ladies? How about, single ladies in their 80s? how about the single ladies in their seventies? In these homes, and they're like, "Hey, I, I, you know, you know, putting out." And it's like, "Wait a second! The Bible is still clear about sex, even even 
even as for a widow, you know, like, like let's talk about what's going on here and the complicate because because I'll tell you this, it was it complicated life at that age in the same way it did for like a sixteen or seventeen year old, because the Bible the Bible is saying something because of a deeper principle and we should listen to it no matter what age it applies to, right? Have you ever you know heard what the they stats say? on the STDs in nursing homes? Oh, they're bonkers. Oh, they're yeah, it's they're rampant. Crazy. Yep. Dude, seniors will be seniors. You can't control them. <laughs> seniors <laughs> will be seniors. <laughs> so, okay, so here's, this is what I ran across. So this is an, an article in the Daily Mail. So this is the major UK publication. Secular, these are not Christians. Here's the title of the headline. Abstinence makes the heart grow fonder. People who wait for sex until they are married are three times more likely to have higher stability in their relationships, study claims. I'm just going to read you some of the article here. You guys indulge me for a moment. Remember Little Rant? Say what? Okay, Little Rant, whatever. (laughs) Sex before marriage is no longer taboo in America, but a new report suggests staying absent until your wedding ensures a happily ever after shocking, right? (laughs) The Bible knows what he's talking. God knows what he's talking about researchers from, and and this, this, this is its own topic, but researchers from Brigham young university (laughs) found that 45% of men and women who had only, who had only had sex with their spouse reported a quote, very high level of relationship stability in their marriage, but just, 25% 25% of people with five to nine sexual partners reported similar levels and just 14% of those with 10 or more partners. The researchers suggest their findings might be due to the risk of comparing or comparing or previous sexual partners interfering with a marriage. However, Brigham Young University follows guidelines of the church of the blah, 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 which preaches premarital sex. Continuing researchers noted the study was controlled for religiosity which captured for each participant how frequently spirituality is an important part of life, how frequently prayer occurs, how important religious faith is. Quote, being highly religious is related to having both fewer sexual partners and longer relationships. We wanted to ensure that any difference we found based on sexual history was not simply related to how religious people were in the sample the study reads. So they, they did their best to try to remove religion out of the component. Okay, so that, that's the cliff notes to what, what that means. The report included surveys of 3,750 individuals in committed couple relationships who were asked to report relationship satisfaction on a scale from one to five. The team found that in the U.S., the average number of sexual partners before marriage, this blew my mind, Aver- you want to take a guess, average number of sexual partners before marriage is Fill in the blank. Three. Seven. Three, seven. My guess was seven. Fifteen. Zero, like me. Six point seven. Six. Kyle's the winner. (laughs) Crate's like, what? I have so much work to do if I want to get married. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. The average number of sexual partners before marriage is 6.7. And men and women reported. (laughs) Notice this. Men and women reported almost identical numbers. So that is even gender, genders the same. Quote, we found that for every additional sex, this is blows my mind. We found that for every additional sex partner reported, the probability of being in the highest category of relationship satisfaction decreased by almost 
So you guys catch that? Mm -hmm. For every additional sexual partner, long-term relational satisfaction drops four points. Relational stability showed an even larger chance and decreased by 6.5% for each additional sex partner and sexual satisfaction decreased by 4% for each additional sex partner before marriage. So, so there's, there's been this lie fed to our culture that, hey, uh, you know, you need to be experienced, right? Like you want to make sure that you satisfy your partner. That's been a lie. That's been something that has been sold by culture to a generation of people. Hey, you want to be experienced. You don't want to be a rookie. You want to know what you're doing. You want to make sure you satisfy her. You don't want to make a fool out of yourself. Right. Come to find out the more experience you gain, the worse you are at it. The, the worse um, satisfa- like sexual satisfaction decreased by 4% for every additional sex partner before marriage. Questions include how often... Have you thought about your relationship or marriage might be in trouble? How often have you uh, or your partner discussed ending uh, your relationship or marriage? How often have you broken up, separated, gotten back together? Responses range from one, never, to very often five. The inexperienced group, those who abstained from premarital sex, reported their marriage being very stable. 43%, 42% of women, only 40%. Of the less experienced group, those who had two to four sexual partners reported similar levels of stability. The more experienced group with five to nine partners was only about half as likely to report stability. Only 25% of the group's spouses reported that their marriages were very stable. The probability of those in highly experienced group with 10 or more partners dropped even further. Only 14% of both men and women reported the highest levels of stability in their marriage. The study also assessed sexual satisfaction among participants using a similar uh, questionnaire. Those in the inexperienced group, again, showed the greatest likelihood of reporting that they're very satisfied with all aspects of their sexual relationship, with more than one in five reporting high sexual satisfaction. Approximately 18% of women and 20% of men in the less experienced group reported similar levels. Only one in 10 and the more experienced group reported being sexually satisfied with their spouse. I'll read that again. Hmm. Only one in 10 in the more experienced group reported being sexually satisfied with their spouse, 11% of women, 12% of men, and just one in 14 respondents of highly experienced spouses, 7% of women, 7% of men, reported that they're highly satisfied with their sex life and marriage. I could go on with the article, but I think you get the gist of it. God knows what he's talking about. Surprisingly. Like, of course. He, I mean, this, I don't think that this is But this has been confirmed by a secular study. Right. Which is, I mean, I've been hearing this for years from people who I know who are, you know, older brothers in Christ who are like, yeah, you should wait because I didn't. And boy, would I wish I had. I've been hearing that since I was in middle school. This is not new. It's very interesting, though, that the secular world is finding it. And uh, I've never I wonder met, what's going to happen. I've never met it's someone. Wild. And and you guys can, this is, can be a, a test. I've never met someone, two people, right, that were like, we're going to abstain from having sex till we're married. That regretted it. I have never run into one person that was like, man, I totally regret being abstinent. Agreed. Never met that person. In fact, I've, I've, it's the opposite 
where multiple, and again, the study proves that multiple partners, it brings in all kinds of complications. Um, again, again, and, and it just, it reveals the great lie because we have kids being taught, being told like sex is, is it's selfish in how it's presented. It's, 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 Again, there's so many lies. I will, I'll take, uh, jump in there. I mean, I'll take what you said a a step further because like, I agree. I've never heard anybody that has waited for marriage, whether it's the couple or just one of them. Like if one of them had sex before they got together and then the two of them didn't moving forward. Um, I've never heard anybody in that category say they wish they had had sex before marriage. I have heard, I would say 99% of people say they wish they hadn't had sex before marriage once they're in a committed Christian relationship. Like I know very few people who are in like committed Christian relationships who are like, yeah, that time in college, totally worth it. Do it again. If I had the opportunity, right? I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, I, you know, other than locker room joking, be like, yeah, I wish I could go back to when I was 20 so I could, you know, bang a bunch of girls in college and then, you know, still meet my wife and go on to the life and be now. intimate with her. Right. Nobody's like, ah, I, Kyle, I wish my body count was 30 more people now in my life. Kyle, uh, just as a youth pastor, you know, if, if you have someone that comes and approaches you, um, you know, a teen, like, like what is the logic? Like what, what do you present to them of like, Hey, this is what God says. This is why he says it. Like, like, like speak to the audience. Like, why shouldn't you? What What are the biblical reasons? Like, what's the approach? Like, aside from the science and what we just talked about. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, like with this whole conversation, you know, it, you even said something like, um, you know, well, surprise, God knows what He's talking about, and like that's the mindset is that it's a it's a competition between what God says. God says that if you wait, it's going to be better, and the world says no, do it more so that that way you kind of try things out or you get better at it, and it's going to be better. That mindset's wrong completely even with the way that you said it because it's not like god's not saying that it'll be better that way it's it has a purpose like there's an actual function to it it's not just a thing that is a is a is pleasure sex isn't just pleasure it's a thing that is a it has a purpose articulate that for what, your, what is the purpose for it's 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 for your spouse it's something that you it's a it's a development of of your relationship with ex- your with your wife we would say an expression of oneness yeah it's it's a becoming one one together right and it's it does something more than just a just a physical feeling and a in a you know a chemical reaction in the in the brain it's an actual it's two souls becoming one and completing each other i mean it's an it's an act of that um, it's an expression you know i uh i had a counseling appointment a premarital counseling appointment recently and, and i was talking about sex and it was like you know sex the way you approach sex um, is is a, is a great illustration of how marriage is successful. Like, what's the what's the the biggest detriment to a marriage? Well, it's selfishness on either person. Like, marriage requires the denial of self over the preference of the other individual. It's selfless, and and the beautiful like marriages work when when the husband is loving his wife as Christ loves the church that his focus is on her needs and her focus is on his needs. Like if my, if I'm selfless in marriage and I'm focused on her and she's selfless and she's focused on me, that there, that, that becomes one. And, and the great expression of that is how sex works. 
and, and I brought this up in the counseling appointment. Like, like the worst sex you can have is one that's selfishly motivated. If the dude goes into sex and, and, it, and his perspective is completely what he's going to get. I want pleasure. I want to get off. I want my fantasy fulfilled. And he goes in with that mindset. It's about him. Guess what? What happens? He goes in about two minutes and she's unsatisfied. So she's completely left out of it because it takes not a lot of time for a guy to get off. And as my wife has expressed to me multiple times, women are pressure cookers. Take some time. But if a man goes into sex selfish, then it's a terrible experience. And again, the guy's the guy gets off, he's asleep, and the woman's like, "Well, what was that? Like that wasn't that wasn't fun. That wasn't enjoyable." If the woman goes in selfishly motivated, again, the guy finds himself incredibly frustrated, and it's difficult. And it's like a whole lot of foreplay without any climax. It's like, where are we going with this? Like, like what makes sex beautiful? Like what makes it perfect? What makes it perfect is when a man goes into it with one goal. I'm going to make sure that she's taken care of. Like, that's my goal. That's my, I, I, I don't care about myself. My job is to please her and take care of her. And she goes into the bed with the, with the, the same intention. You know what? I don't care about me. My goal is to take care of him. So you have him focus on her and you have her focus on him and you go into it and you know what you find out? It, that's the best sex. For anybody that's married that's had sex, that's the best sex. It's beautiful. It's organic. It's selfless. It's pleasurable. It's how God intended it. And it is the expression of marital oneness that manifests in, in, in all different varieties of life because that's, that's, that's how a marriage is beautiful. When the man is just preferring his wife and his wife is preferring the man and you're like, I'm in it for you and she's in it for you. Know, like you're together. And sex is the expression of that. But we've dumbed that down in society. How? We've framed it as a, personal, a, a tool for personal gratification. Or a thing that you get out of a relationship. Or a thing that you get. You, we, I did it all for the nookie. The nookie, so you can take my cookie, you know, <laughs> to quote the great lyricist, Fred Durst, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, but you're right. It's, it's, it's what I get out of the, I get it. It's something I receiving from it. No, sex is something that you're giving into it, which requires, by the way, incredible vulnerability, selflessness, openness, which only really works within a covenant, an agreement. Again, God says, hey, God created sex for procreation, yes, but also for enjoyment as the expression of marital oneness. It's the entire blueprint for sex. Sex is not just about procreation, although that's an important function. If you're having a lot of sex and you have no intention of procreating, that's not according to God's design. I know that's a controversial statement in today's culture, but God wanted sex... Why? Because we do this whole illustration of oneness, right? And what's produced? Someone that is both me and her. It's half me and it's half her. It is one. It, it, it's the actual... It, there's so much imagery. It's literally two becoming one. It's two becoming one. And that's why God, he instituted sex. It was the expression of oneness. 
it was designed for procreation and it yields enjoyment. Like that was God's blueprint. He said, he told Adam and Eve, multiply and fill the earth. Uh, we have a lot of the exercising of the enjoyment without the multiplication in our society. And that's another topic for another day. Why we see child rates just imploding. Not just in the world, which we do. Elon Musk talks about that, which is interesting. But within Christian culture, you know, the, the, the one religion that's procreating more than anyone else? Muslims and Mormons. Well, Mormons. <laughs> but there's, yeah, but there's an identification of like, you know, the greatest form of evangelism is making another Christian. <laughs> like, it's a hard one. I love our church. You know, hey, go tell someone about Jesus or make a Christian. Either one. We're good with. We have a lot of babies. We have a lot of babies right now. A lot of babies. We have a lot of babies. But like there's, again, there's this, like what you were saying, Kyle, there's this, there's a blueprint to it and there's a reason for it. And when we break from that, um, we diminish what's significant. Now I, I should add, and this is important. Um, let's say you have had sex outside of marriage. I was talking to a couple the other day, getting married, been sleeping together. And they're like, well, I mean, but we're, but we're getting married. Like we, we plan to be together forever. So why not start now? Hey, as, as like Jessica and I face that, like, Hey, like, like we're going to get married in like three weeks. Why not crash out together? Right. You guys, everybody's, you know, we've nah. all been there, right? Let's be real. Put the camera on other people so they can yeah, nod. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah put the yeah, yeah. not on you. I have never not on had you. to you deal with that ever in my life. Never had to deal with that. Never been there. Never been there. I have no idea what you're talking about. I really enjoyed this conversation on how we got the Bible tonight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. What well, we got? We've got about 95 seconds. Yeah. Left. Seriously. Yeah. So we can we get to that, that topic if you like, Justin. Nah. I mean, I have no input I can give on Next this. <laughs> right. My, oh, well, I well, have a little bit. Hey, you got something lot. you can learn. Well, hey, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I, have, I have so much admiration and respect um, to the two virgins in the room, uh, Justin and Creighton, guys that love Jesus. Hey, hey, just just this being real. Makes that, uh, that Hold on, I want to be very clear. You shouldn't like that's like saying, "Oh, I'm so glad you've never done crack." Okay, I've never seen crack. You're... I wouldn't be able to do crack if it was like I don't know what I would do with it if it was given to me. What do you mean? Like, yeah, I've never done crack. What do you mean? You have admiration for me. I'm, it's not like I'm. It's not like I'm beating off crack dealers with a bat. <laughs> My goodness, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and y'all, you thank thanks for that. I'm trying to give you a compliment. I'm trying to give you a compliment. You took, took it to it. beating off crack dealers. <laughs> hey, hey, to be to be to be to remain pure, and in, in this particular culture, and to to continue to 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 hold on to something that is important, saying, Lord. I want to give this to a future spouse, if you if you will it. I, I think that that's commendable. I really do, and I think that that's worth noting. And if there's any single ladies in the audience, these are two good dudes. These are the type of guys you're looking for. Um, you, you, you don't want to be looking for the guy that's, quote, experienced. Because, again, according to secular research, that doesn't work well. Mm -hmm. uh, you want You want the guy that's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
And I hope you don't either. And we can have fun figuring it out. Like that's kind of the, the beauty of it. Um, but to say, and again, back to my point is that if you are in a situation where it's like, Oh, I, well, gosh, I, I don't want to be the statistic, but yeah, I've, 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 I've had sex before. And now what? There was back in the Primers Keepers movement, there was the whole like, you can pledge yourself and you're now like spiritual virgin. A spiritual virgin. No, you're not. Uh, that's not a thing. Like, to be a virgin is an actual thing. But, but can you make a decision to follow Jesus and to do things his way and the Lord provide restoration and renewal? Um, again, I know a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Christian men that slept around, got convicted about it, said, you know what? Enough's enough. Lord brought the right woman. And they were like, this is Lord. You got it. You got to heal some things and you got to renew it. And and I don't want to bring in any baggage to this. And God and God meets you and his grace is sufficient. And it can be a beautiful thing. Um, Again, I'm not putting anyone on the spot, but I think we can all testify again, culturally Amen and amen, mm-hmm. you know, yep. like God is, God is faithful to that. Um, forget about the stupid, you know, spiritual virgin, whatever. Like God's just, he's into renewal, <laughs> right? He's into restoration. He's into making things that were broken new um, and giving second, third, fourth chances, right? Um, I just thought that it was an interesting study. I know, again, my bad. It was a rant. It was a good episode still. It, it took over <laughs> the episode. So, again, we're not actually meeting next week. Programming note. Uh, we've got some church stuff going on on the 10th of May. We've got our kids' night out at the church, um, youth ministry and whatnot. But we'll be back um, the week after the 17th. And then uh, and then we'll be, uh, we have no interruptions really all the way up through, um, uh, I want to say up through the end of June. And then uh, we'll be approaching the summer uh, with some prudence. So um, you guys, any final thoughts? I'm good. Anything? You want to uh, make a plug, Cray? Get fed today, baby. Yeah. Uh, so I live in Winder. I am 30. Um, My Tinder profile <laughs> is Pope Creighton. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have, uh, if you have any questions that you would like answered on the show, farmersonly.com. Farmers um, only. If you would like to get a Bible study on a daily basis, uh, we upload, well, a podcast called Get Fed Today uploads um, five podcasts on Sunday nights. Five they, audio five studies, not five audios, podcasts. Yeah, whatever. Five audio studies. Um, if you listen on Spotify, it may have problems because Spotify is. We are working on figuring Spotify out. Spotify is having glitches. issues. I have tickets in. I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, get fed today. Pope Creighton right. at gmail.com. I'll, I'll add to that that um, if at any point. Um, so we actually had a friend of ours who uses Spotify. So I don't use Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creighton, you use Google. I use Apple. Um, we're not on Spotify, although the podcast is on Spotify. If you ever, if you ever, whatever platform you use, if you ever run into an issue uh, with Get Fed Today or Outlaw Radio or Calvary 316, any of the podcasts, you run into an issue, just drop us a note at popecreating at gmail.com. Yeah. And that's the best way for us to know that the issue exists and to try to address it and, and to deal with it. So that, you know, kind of important programming uh, tidbit there. Um, you guys, Kyle, you got anything? Spice Daddy? I'm good. Anything you want to add, Deal Daddy? No, sir. Mr. Monty? I'm good. We're good. Creighton, what do you think? You good? Good to go. Let's All roll. All right, well, let me roll some music. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, my name's Zach Adams. So glad that you joined us. You can learn all about the show 
Um, you can find the links to everything we've been referencing by just going to outlawradio.org. That's our website, outlawradio.org. If you're watching the live stream, fantastic. Check out the podcast. Releases on Thursday. It's available on Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening right now, uh, join us Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Uh, what you're listening to, we actually live stream the recording of it. It's a lot of fun. You can interact with us uh, in real time. Uh, great opportunity again, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Next Wednesday, we're not uh, live streaming, so we'll be taking a week off. But again, podcast, live stream. We're so glad that you were with us. Uh, join us this time in two weeks. God bless.